Luca Morto to Skynet Resort Radio. I am the illustrious Contessa Di Kelly, and I have a dark and unholy secret. Is it that you're gay? No! <laughs> I am vampire! <laughs> Joining me tonight is a revolting collection of misshapen body parts loosely resembling Harrison. Hello. We are also joined by disgusting man-creature, the Holy Inquisitor, Frazero della Montagna. Do I have to do a silly accent as well as part of this intro? Let's try and offend a minimum number of people, so just keep it to the one. Hello there. We have formed an uneasy truce on this dark and stormy night in order to discuss a matter of the highest import. A matter so monumental that you no doubt do not require me to speak its name. I shall refer to it simply as... The Thing. Was the truce that we would let you do that accent? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, that was just the intro. <laughs> I cannot keep that up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I insist. I insist. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Absolutely. <laughs> please, please, no. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Scarif Resort Radio. Yes, welcome, welcome. So today is our Halloween special. Ooh. Spooky effects included. I'm editing a, like, lightning. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of organ, you know. So, uh, when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for this episode, we were trying to think of good horror movies to watch that were somewhat Star Wars related or sci-fi in some regard. And then I found out that both of my co-hosts had never seen one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, which is John Carpenter's The Thing. So that is what we are going to be talking about today, having literally just watched it minutes before starting this recording. I will say it was really nice to watch a good film for a change. Yeah, it's a nice change of pace, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was heavily disappointed it was not a spin-off movie of The Thing from Fantastic Four, but once I got over my... <laughs> my that might be the worst thing my, you could have said about this film. My disappointment, I did fully enjoy it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, a couple, uh, couple of facts about the film before we uh, go in. First off, I said this before we started watching because I think it's part of what you need to sort of appreciate the film with is that this film came out in 1982. So within regards to like Star Wars films, this is between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Fraser googling furiously in the corner to fact check. Uh, look, I, <laughs> I know fans of Star Wars. They'll pick us up on anything. You are correct, Harrison. Return of the Jedi was 1983, so this is 1982. So you are. Well Thank done. You. I, well done. I, I did my research before stating that. <laughs> Because if there's one thing I know are super anal about everything, it's Star Wars fans. I don't know what you mean. I'm looking at one right <laughs> now. Can I, shut shall up. I, shall I look at the stocks for pitchforks and torches yeah, and see if they're going up or down? They go up this time of year. It's very spoopy, you know, <laughs> theme apparent. So because this came out in 1982, much like a lot of the original Star Wars films, not that you would know thanks to a load of fiddling by George later. There is no CGI in this film. It is all done practically in camera. Yeah, we love um, we love practical effects. And for me, this film is the high mm. water mark for practical effects from this period. I 
I would still go 2001 Space Odyssey. I think the effects in that are a bit better. And also it was made 20 years before this film, which is amazing. Like to me, they made a space movie before people landed on the moon. I think that's incredible. But that's, you know. Tremendous achievement. For me, it's the body horror aspect of this. Of the truly eldritch horror of witnessing the, the thing. The puppets and the flesh and every single mannequin flesh monster you see is so wet and dripping it is horrible yeah it is icory mm. yeah it's great i mean um, it's... everything has icker yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to getting into it it's gonna be uh very fun to go back over this film so before i jump in and actually say what the premise of the film is because neither of you knew what we were going in with because you, you'd not really heard of it mm-hmm. i want you to tell me what you thought the film was going to be this is spo- this is moment of truth spoilers from this point onwards if it wasn't <laughs> if you immediately evident film, yeah so, sorry spoilers for a film that came out in 1982 and was probably around before most of you listening were born yeah so what i thought about the film before i watched it was i think i already basically knew the premise from assorted other pop culture references to it Um, the simpsons effect yeah i don't think i knew this from the simpsons specifically but basically my idea of the film was we're on like an arctic research base turns out it's antarctic so i was pretty close and there's a shape-shifting alien that replaces crew members and you don't know who you can trust and if they get out to the world it'll destroy the world so you need to stop it i think that's not too far off what actually happens yeah i would say you're about 80 percent of the way there honestly i went in blind so you told me it was sci-fi horror but i didn't look into anything about the film so actually going into it i i was completely oblivious as to what was going to come up you'd never like heard of it or known anything about it before nope as soon as i started watching it Oh, fuck off. You looked so smug when you said that. I hope the audio picks up the smugness too. (laughs) Similar to Kelly though, like as soon as I started watching it, all the other things that I've watched in the past, Mm. um, that episode of Futurama springs to mind immediately. Um, You kind of start to think, oh, this is where this is going. So it kind of filled filled it in from there. But yeah, generally didn't know anything about it before before going into it. What what I found more and more as it went on, it felt, and, and I mean this in a good way, not in the dipshit meme way, it felt very familiar to a game of Among Us where it's like, there is an imposter. We don't know who it is. We need to figure out. And then like people are saying, like the doctor at one point is like, oh, you could trust me. I just want to come back inside. And it's like, as soon as he said that, I'm like, that is so sus. I would never let this man near me again. We've all heard that on a Discord channel before playing yeah. Among Us and being like, well, <laughs> that's that's my mind made up. You're trying too hard to convince me you're good. You're clearly evil. And then it turns out you're building a fucking spaceship underground. <laughs> we can all relate. Happens every time. Exactly. So with that, let's get into the, the thing. thing. The thing. The what? <laughs> this is going to happen a hundred more times. I hope you, you know, find these the, funny, the listener. Thing. Oh, the thing! Yeah. Uh, the we thing. made this joke in the last episode, too. <laughs> yes, we did. Consistency is key. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was funny the first time. It'll be funny every time. Yep. Yep. Very... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly i don't think i can throw shade because i will i keep reusing the same jokes in this format anyway <laughs> so the premise of the thing so it is a remake of a previous film i believe came out in the 50s but is obviously much more at the time much more up to date and using a bunch of sci-fi tropes and actually had the budget to create a lot of the monster effects whereas i believe that the previous one was a lot more uh you know just someone disappears they come back and they're yeah. an alien 
I think Fraser um, said it was the 30s, so it'd be even oh, worse. Sorry, so the book came out in the 30s. Oh, that was the, it, okay. the film you're referencing is from 1951, which was oh. a black and white science fiction horror film. Right. I kind of think it would be more ominous if it is just people vanish and then they come back and they're slightly different, but not enough for you to tell. Whilst I think that that can be good and that really works probably with the limitations of film at the time, yeah. I think this really pushes the boat out on just I think the effects the are special incredible. effects yeah. and body horror because yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this film and it's also disgusting to look at it is it is viscerally awful yeah it's 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 an eldritch body horror it's oh. vile it's when the head sprouts like crab legs we'll, we'll get oh. to it so the premise of the film kelly was pretty close in that it is an Ant- antarctic research base where a bunch of u.s researchers are basically setting up shop for winter so when they basically receive their last shipment and they're all getting ready to spend most of the winter there they are going to be cut off from the rest of the world for the next two to three months before they get their next shipment in yeah so they are very isolated it is functionally a bottle episode where they're trapped somewhere with nowhere to go i I would make a great stage play because you don't have really a change in setting so i think it'd be it'd be be great for that and it's Mm. very character and personality driven so i think that would come across great on stage so we have if i'm counting it right one two three four five six seven nine nine ten eleven twelve members of the crew all at this research station when a Siberian husky turns up at the facility being chased by two Norwegian men in a helicopter firing at the dog from a moving helicopter. To which you had the criticism of, they didn't hit the dog. They didn't. They didn't hit anywhere near the dog. Yes, I would. I would argue it's quite hard to shoot a dog yeah, from they, a moving vehicle they, they were shooting with a at rifle. It from so far away, it's a dog. Like, just get closer to it. Although at the time, it was a dog. I didn't know it could sprout massive tentacles and disobey the laws of physics. Yeah, Fraser had a rather amusing thing because he, yeah. obviously not knowing anything, yeah. was watching yeah. this dog <laughs> with the helicopter and went, "All right, Agent Thirty Seven, take it out." And then they whipped out this rifle and yeah, you both burst into laughter. My, yeah. my most concerning point at this point was Kelly leaning over to me going, oh, I think you'll find that's a G3 assault rifle and the, and the, the recoil. I didn't that, say that. Re- I asked you if you knew what gun it was. <laughs> and you then immediately you told me. you said an AK. <laughs> knowing, what, knowing what weapon it was and how much recoil uh. it had is, is quite concerning. <laughs> also, your expertise in shooting dogs from moving vehicles. <laughs> Look, you don't need to know what I get up to on weekends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What I do in the Brecon Beacons is my own business. Fox hunting wasn't enough, huh? <laughs> yeah. I like foxes. I don't like dogs. It's like I, I wish, I wish we could upgrade the horse to something faster. Boom! Helicopter. <laughs> Let's Helico- go. Helicopter. Let's fucking go, boys. Yeah. So this dog arrives at the station because of a language barrier where no one speaks Norwegian, and the Norwegians are basically just trying to shoot this dog while it's amongst all of the uh, the Americans. Yep. It quickly sours. The helicopter that's apparently loaded up with kerosene in various canisters blows up because of a... Mishap with a grenade. Mishap with a grenade. And then the last Norwegian standing ends up shooting one of the uh, men at the facility in the leg. I think it's Bennings, isn't it? Yeah, he shoots... Yeah. Uh, with his orange yeah, gilet. Bennings. George Bennings. Yeah, he shoots Bennings in the leg. Yeah. It's just a graze. He's but, just bad at shooting. But then the captain of the uh, facility, Gary, shoots him in the fucking head. Yeah. And a great shot, by the yeah. way. Yeah, through the eye. Yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to big up that I'm like, you know. A weapons expert. I was going to say a psychic, but okay. <laughs> um, like, the opening shot of this film is 
people in a helicopter trying to shoot a dog. It's called The Thing. And I was like, sure, like, well, clearly the dog is The Thing and it's an alien that's going to kill everyone. That was what I was surprised by the most is that there wasn't as much of a mystery about what The Thing was to begin with. Yeah. I was expecting it to be revealed later on into the show, but it it, it was so... It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was so obvious yeah. that you almost have to think, wait, is it not The Dog? Yeah. So I think, Weird. I think the point of the mystery is not you not knowing whether or not there's an alien monster they established quite early on that it is the dog it's the after that point you think oh shit i don't know who of my teammates is now the monster yeah it's among us yeah i gotta give a shout out as well because i've got the cast list here and one of the norwegians has maybe the best name i've seen in all time his name is dick warlock Oh Which, my god. Shout out to Dick Warlock, please. Dick, Dick Warlock. Please come on the show. I'm desperate. <laughs> Replace one of these dickheads. You're please. Al- you're a- <laughs> Uh, so you're you're asking a dick warlock to come on the show. I'm asking the dick warlock to oh, come I'm on sorry. the show. There How is dare a difference. You. This man is a master of his craft. He's actually he's actually listed before some of the main I characters know. in the show on if you Google the show. It's fantastic. All hail. Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock. He might be dead. <laughs> Should we look this up? Oh, God. We can't have invited Dick Warlock on the show only to find out that Dick Warlock is a um, dead Dick Warlock. No, he's, he's still alive. Still up and running. Born 1940. Damn. Hang on. <laughs> He, so, was, he was in Spider-Man 2022. So, oh, no, no, 2002. Wait, 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 wait. That means that some point during World War II, someone had a kid and went, yeah, Dick Warlock. <laughs> That'll show them. That sh- that must be a stage name. Did you did you ever hear about? And this is a tangent, but briefly while what, we're on, on this podcast, no, <laughs> briefly, yeah, yeah. Not. Ta- yeah, this is a tangent. Not us discussing Dick Warlock's existence. This whole podcast could be about Dick Warlock for all I care. That I'm fine with that. This is now a Dick Warlock podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Dick Warlock Radio. <laughs> Um, did you guys ever hear about the World War II fighter ace called Dick Bong? I, I shit you not. He was like the first guy ever to fly a jet plane in the US or something and died in a test crash. But he was like a fighter ace in the Pacific called Dick Bong. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. He got the Medal of Honor. <laughs> Major Dick Bong. Major Dick Bong. <laughs> <laughs> that know. is a worthy tangent, I will grant you. Sounds like you need to go to the hospital if we got a major dick bong. A major dick bong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to the we got wait, so wait, 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 sorry, where are so we? Quickly. Sorry, it's Halloween. It's it's spooky. We're yeah, it's Halloween. Okay. It's spooky. Things are scary. Yeah. We're, we're in the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is a dog. The dog's just sort of walking around, and no one's treating it like suspiciously. No one's like, "Why were the Norwegians trying to blow up this dog?" Yeah. They're just like, oh, it's a dog. Cool. And it's standing around in like the main living areas, just staring at things. And it's like, I'm not sure how dog this is, but okay. Yeah. Props to the dog actor mm. that the dog actor is convincingly playing not a dog, but clearly something in a dog suit. Yeah. The dog actor is called Jed. Well done, Jed. G- good boy. Good. A very good boy. Very good boy. Uh, the team decide to investigate the Norwegian base. Yes. From the Norwegians that came over to try and figure out what happened. And I think there's a wonderful bit of storytelling in this scene. As you as they start to explore the Norwegian base, yep. you slowly start to see... Well, the, the base has been destroyed. It's torched it's, down. It's, it's, it's torched like a smoking down, husk as they approach. In smoke. Uh, and as they arrive, they're starting to go through the, the corridors and everything's broken... There's flame everywhere. The ceiling's collapsed. The ceiling's collapsed. covering everything. And it's so cool because it's such good foreshadowing. Mm. 
but like everything will then happen but it's it's yeah yeah, but it's it's everything plays out exactly as if the norwegian base had happened like like it's just this exact what we see has exactly happened to the norwegian base yeah and i I was saying while this was happening it'd be such a good ending if we get the new zealand team come into the u.s base in ruins and see that and then go oh what the hell is happening and then it just cuts like i think that'd be an amazing oh no what's happened Yeah, okay. There's some sort of thing. <laughs> Do you know Norwegian number two is played by John Carpenter? Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I have so many fun secrets in this film for you guys, but I'm so glad that I got to learn one as well. Yeah, that's nice. So they go to this facility, the Norwegian camp. They find uh, a room with an axe buried in the door and the door's locked. They yeah. And bust, barricaded. And barricaded. Yeah. They bust open the barricade and they find a guy sitting at basically the radio sort of section of the base. He's destroyed all of the radio stuff and he has, and like props to the designer of this prosthetic or this dummy, has frozen blood slashed with a a straight razor, both wrists and fully across his entire neck. It's like almost halfway through his neck. This man has very nearly beheaded himself. It's quite the opening dramatic shot given that at this point there's been very little gore. Yeah. Like that's the opening sort of thing of, things are about to get real bad for everyone involved yeah so they find next to this guy there's some research notes which are predictably all in norwegian so they can't read it but there are some vhs tapes and they go okay we'll take these back and maybe figure out what the hell has happened here and as they leave they see the charred sort of melted remains of Something. something they don't really know what it is they kind of, it, it looks sort of like a person but the hands are too big and it's all contorted and messed up and they're like right whatever the hell this is we need to take this back to our place and analyze it yeah. so strap it on the helicopter fly back over to their base where the guy who got shot george bennings he's been hanging out with that dog and it licked him a bunch so mm. And he's also getting stitches when they come back. Yeah, he's, he's, he's getting, getting stitches, his leg stitched. Keep your eye on him. It won't be a surprise who's the first to go. True that. Yeah. It's also at this point they manage to bring back this steaming, mm. gross, mangled, kind corpse of human, thing, yeah. kind of not warped corpse. Yeah. At which point the two, I'm not sure if which one of them is the medical doctor and which one's like the research doc. They both get called doc at various points in the uh, film. One's a biologist. So one's a biologist well, and I think convenient. one's the medic. But it's Blair and Copper are the two of them. Yeah. And they start to do an autopsy on this body and they comment on how it's human and that it has all of the correct intact organs in the right place. But then clearly on the outside, it's fucked up beyond all reason you look at it and it's got sort of almost two heads but the mouth is joined in the middle and there are like two tongues and teeth everywhere and it's like clearly died in agony and it's like what the hell is this thing why does it have normal human organs yeah the closest analogy i can give as like an audio medium for you guys to understand is that imagine if you made a person out of like modeling clay and then you started to like stretch limbs and pull their head apart but like it's stretched with it it's real gross to look at and it is it is so wet so it's so wet wet and slick everything about it looks sticky and awful it's like covered in jelly almost but you know that's just fat and it's like yeah it looks like profoundly gross you you do not want to touch this you do not want to touch the doctor who's autopsying it like looks at it and just goes (sighs) 
he does not want to do this. And I'm right along with him. Mondays, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention one extra thing, actually, at the Norwegian base. They find oh, yeah. what appears to be a huge ice tub, possibly sarcophagus, possibly. It just looks like maybe something was cut out of a block of ice and they brought it back to their base and whatever was in the ice is now no longer in the ice yeah also before we like this is literally the first like four seconds of the film it shows you a spaceship crashing on the earth yeah so it's not as big of a, of a reveal as you know yeah they pretty much do a solid open of like listen there is an alien thing that crashed to the earth but we then see them go and investigate the site yeah. so two, two of them go oh we forgot to mention one of them is kurt russell like the main character in this <laughs> is mccready who is kurt russell yeah and he is the most 80s protagonist-looking man I think I've ever seen. Yeah, he is machismo personified. He has a huge lumberjack beard. He's got glorious hair. He's wearing mm. the most ridiculous, like, America hat you've ever seen. It's an outrageous hat. And the whole like... time he was on screen, Fraser and I were just like, this man's hat. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's just so square. Do you know who I thought of as soon as I saw the hat? I did mention it in the film because I wanted to save it for this exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Doug Dimmerdome, owner of the Dinsdale Dimmerdome. It's back. It's, it's his hat. Oh, my God. We can't back. escape Doug Dimmerdome. No. Not that fucking film again. We're being haunted he by Doug Dimmerdome. the Doug Dimmerdome hat. It's oh, fantastic. No. Okay. I'll get over it. So they go to the alien site because they have access to the maps from the Norwegian facility. And they send the helicopter with two or three guys, mm -hmm. including Kurt Russell, McCready. They get there, have a look around and go, well, shit, it's an alien spaceship. And one of the scientists that's with them, I believe it's Norris. The slightly chubbier guy who isn't one of the doctors. Oh, the the, the fat ginger guy who is like looking like the guy who's going to die the most. Yeah, the guy who, look, frankly, the whole time looks a little bit peaky. Yeah. Yeah. To the extent that when he does die, I didn't know if it was because he was an alien or he was having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhat implied. He basically says that judging by the depth of the ice and how the ice sheets apparently move in Antarctica, that it could be up to 100,000 years old that it crashed into the ice and then got like churned back up yeah this ship crashed before human beings were really around much yeah got stuck in the ice and then the norwegian team apparently chopped it out thawed it and then everything went bad yep yeah this whatever it is woke up and their base is now on fire so yeah. everyone is either dead melted or two or three of them got two, in a two helicopter of them, yeah two of them got in a helicopter and, and tried, chased down yeah. the dog as it tried to escape which credit to those guys i mean yeah no they 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 gave it a good damn go they were so close they to were getting it right. so close oh uh it's really it's really sad I do not speak Norwegian, but I've looked up a transcript Ooh. of what the Norwegian guy is saying. And he basically says, get away from that thing. It's not a dog. It's something. So I picked up the like Helveta and dog from that. But yeah. yeah. So basically an exclamation of like, fuck, get yeah. away from it. It's not a dog. Yeah. But because they don't speak Norwegian, miscommunication, shot through the face. Mm. In the interest of balance, of course, the Americans refer to them as the Swedish. Predictably. Twice, yeah. because god bless america it's quite a good americanism i think yeah like just paying so little regard <laughs> to another country just completely yeah fuck it is one of them it's one of the scandies <laughs> we'll just throw a different word in doesn't he does he when he turns up to the norwegian base shout and he's sweden <laughs> yeah it's like okay, yeah and good, then the, the doc's like they're norwegians <laughs> yeah come on. come on man it's fantastic oh we didn't mention mccready 
opens the film, the first shot you see of McCready is him playing chess against his computer, and then he loses and he pours whiskey on it, so... I think that's a metaphor of things to come if he's willing to destroy everything in order to win. Ooh. You've thought about this film. I really like this film. You son of a bitch. And have watched it quite a lot. (laughs) There's a lot in this film, actually. Yeah, this is a really clever film. Mm. There is a lot of small things that, as you keep rewatching it, you keep picking up on. I am quite keen to rewatch it. It's... I, I, I watch it probably once every couple of years at this point, and I watch V for Vendetta every 5th of November. I haven't seen V for Vendetta in about 10 years. I'll be honest, you will be shocked at how well that's aged, and I mean that sadly. Sad fascism? Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Anyway, it's at this point, we could try and relay the whole script of this film, but it is a little bit of a convoluted mystery in that functionally, at various points, bits and pieces of this crew keep getting picked off and assimilated into well, the, the very, thing. Well, the very first thing that happens is they, they have this husky dog that's just walking around and they go, right, you should go in the kennels with the other dogs. And it goes and it sits down in the kennels and it looks the most not like a dog dog you've ever seen in your Again. life fantastic acting it really what, is incredible. whoever trained this dog mm. stellar work i think the dog film. might be in the top three of the cast for the acting seriously good acting it just like sits there really uncomfortably in the middle of this kennel and then it explodes into a whirling mass of tentacles and piss sounds like me on a friday night Whee! <laughs> yep you can enjoy that one Harrison, not... you on a friday night are sat in your basement painting minifigures don't try and get out of that I'm upset at how well you've nailed me to that cross. Um, <laughs> you put yourself up there. Yeah, yeah. So then they all try and kill it. There's a lot of flamethrower use in this film. Liberal flamethrower yeah, use. Yeah, like, as I think more places should have. Mm. So they, they try and burn this thing, and they kind of succeed in doing it, but it also kind of escapes. Yeah, we should probably also talk about this is the first time you really see the thing yeah. looking like itself. As in a... that, I say that generously. It has base- assimilated maybe two to five of the kennel dogs and yeah. has turned into this flesh monster with vaguely doggish features in its face. So mm. I think I think the idea is, and you're going to have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think the idea is it goes around and absorbs mass but while it's trying to do that, it absorbs anything, a dog, a person, and it becomes like disguised as that thing. But the more creatures it absorbs, the more powerful it gets when it breaks out of its like disguise mode and goes big and I'm an actual, this is, you know, I just have flesh and I just go wild and have massive claws. But it needs to absorb more mass to get stronger. So the whole thing is... It wants to stay undercover for now. Yeah, so it's it's functionally, it's a couple of things. It's first off, and like, it's never fully explained. Yeah. Even the writers have not fully explained it. So it's a little bit up for interpretation. But my understanding is that it assimilates another organism and it needs a host. And yeah. It doesn't have a, a set shape to mm. itself, as it were. So what they keep catching it doing whenever you see it and it looks horrifically gross is that it's in the midway point between turning from one organism to another organism and assimilating its shape. And it needs time to basically break something down and then reshape itself to look like them, which is why when when they hear all the dogs screaming and then they come along, it was trying to disguise itself to look like one of the other dogs, mm. uh, or in but fe- it was already looking like a dog. I think it needs to in it needs to take does it time need to, to break inf- its disguise to assimilate, infect more? multiple dogs. So the idea is that it wanted to turn from maybe one dog into all of the dogs. Mm, okay, because then it can have more yeah. chances to escape, and it's like either a hive mind or it's just all of it 
is the one organism. This is the thing I never really knew an answer to at the end, and I suppose this is sort of half the point as well. The entire time you're left wondering, can it multiply? Could there be two people or three or four who are the thing? Mm. Or is it just one person the whole time? And you never really see an instance where it is more than one person, confirmably. Mm. But it has to be because you see several instances of it dies and then someone else is already it. Yeah, but it can die, but like if like a single cell gets away right that's different to there being multiple of them at the same time Mm. so i don't know if there are multiple of them at the one time or not and i i guess that's also sort of the point you don't know yeah the the deliberate ambiguity Mm. adds to the creepiness and the mystery so after they've killed the dog monster they think they've got it they think they've got it but turns out the doctor is like well hang on a minute yeah so the doctor's running experiments this thing infects people and there's a 75 percent chance that more than one team member has been exposed to it and been infected especially clark the guy who seems to really care about all the dogs because he spent about an hour and a half alone with the dog and you just see the doctor giving him the real stink eye of just i trust you about as far as i can throw you that and bennings who was like licked and all that by at the start yeah the, that, I, the dog's been hanging out with bennings a lot as um, as someone who knows how to code i am absolutely amazed by this doctor who can come up with a working working model of infection rates of an alien he's only just encountered to then do a simulation which gets him a number of 75 percent chance that another crew member is infected and then just go yeah cool right. in, in all fairness <laughs> it's 1982 and the wonders of computers are very much yeah. a mystery you plug information into a box and it always comes out with an answer yeah you, you got to take it with a grain of salt of in the 80s this was all very much a case of yeah. technology and computers can do anything and everything we just don't sure. know how they work boop, 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 boop. it was as i said in the film it was just missing a zoom in hands yeah like 80s yeah. clip it really was but yeah no that's... yeah we'll skip through a few things of basically you don't know who's what yeah but yeah Basically, the Doctor Blair goes a little bit insane in realising, well, if there's a 75% chance that someone here is the thing, I'm going to make sure that it can't escape. And to in order- if, it, if it gets out into the wider world, humanity's doomed, right? Yeah. yeah. So he takes an axe and destroys the helicopter, destroys the tractor, and just starts destroying their radio so that they cannot call for help and get anyone to come yep. get them. Yep. He also kills all of the remaining dogs. Smart yeah. move. He, for the first time in any horror film I've ever seen, does a somewhat logical action, yeah. Yeah. given this situation he's in. It's a bit of a fire sale in what he does. <laughs> he does just burn the place to the ground, but he actually does... He doesn't try to explain it to anyone. He no. just goes mental. He's, and he's like, learned the information, yeah, he's aware of the stakes, and he just goes, cool, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm not going to announce yeah, it. I'm yeah. just going to go and do but it. But I suppose he does if he key... does announce it, it would be telling the thing. Yeah. yeah, and then the thing would stop him. This yeah. is the kind of brilliant moment is that he acts very rationally and very logically, which no one really does in a horror film. <laughs> yeah, he it's does right. the right and smart thing to do, but because he hasn't told anyone... Everyone else Everyone who isn't aware mental, of this yeah. fact just sees the doc's gone ape shit and yeah. is starting breaking all of the things to help us escape. Quick, inject him with morphine. Yeah, so then they take the doc, drug him up, and lock him in a cabin separate to everyone else that's in like... In the tool shed. Yeah, they lock him in the tool <laughs> shed and give him a, basically some Which, tinned food and... <laughs> if you're going to lock a prisoner up, don't lock them up where there's all the tools! <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway... 
Anyway, so it's at this point they think, okay, well, everything's fine. We've locked the crazy guy who's had a look, gone, got a little bit of cabin fever yeah. in the tool shed. The doc's like, don't yeah. trust Clark. He's sus. Yeah, he's been around the dog. He's real sus. They move the body of the that they found in the Norwegian base into like a storage room. Yes. And they're like, so someone's going to get a Nobel Prize from this, you know, even though it is disgusting. And they all turn around and then you see the blanket that it's under moving and you're like, oh no, it's not dead. And a little bit of oozing starts coming out from under the blanket. And Bennings is in the background just, I don't know, fiddling with some wiring or something. He's not yeah. paying attention to the, the rapid oozing of this corpse behind yeah. him. And it's fair to say, Bennings got got. Bennings really got got. got, got. Because the yeah. next scene is Norse the cook, who is, I think, the youngest yeah, member of yeah, the group. Younger. They show that by him being a real jazzy guy who's playing like hits like superstition he uh, plays loud really... music and doesn't turn it down when he's asked to yeah he's he's being <laughs> so... the, he's being the spunky kid who's playing loud music and rollerblading around while he cooks he walks into the room to go check in on bennings and finds bennings in what i can only describe as uh wrapped up in tentacles being assimilated drenched in blood drenched in blood and goo Mm. And it's truly, like, it's real body horror of, it's going in and out of his, like, mouth and eye socket and ears and nose. His telltale orange gilet ripped to shreds. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so disgusting. It really is. Um, So he runs to get help. Everyone comes back and Bennings isn't there. Yeah, Bennings is gone. (laughs) Where could he be? And so is the body of the Norwegian thing they recovered. Yeah, so it's all gone. His clothes are, again, covered in blood and viscera. Uh, and are left in that room. Yep. And then they cut to everyone sees him running outside in someone else's clothing. Like he's in now a, like a dark grey jacket as opposed to his bright orange gilet that yep. was quite identifiable. So they but all. It looks like he's clutching something. Yeah, it looks like he's like holding his stomach or as something he's as he's running yeah. away. And they catch up to him and they all surround him. And he turns around to face them. And it is, if you've not seen it, Google it now. It's the iconic image of the thing on the poster, which is guy in a big parka coat with, I can only describe it as big claw hands. Yeah. Like, he's not quite all the way there. He hasn't finished assimilating. Yeah, he hasn't finished assimilating. So, the face is right. The body's right. His hands still look like they're, rather than being normal hands, he's got, like, 18-inch long fingers that aren't able to bend yet. He's not done. And it's also clear that he's not finished assimilating because he can't talk convincingly like bennings he yet. just screeches yeah it makes this like <laughs> noise yeah. Yeah. which i'm sure is going to do great on the audio i'm oh, sorry yeah then they kick a can of kerosene on him yeah they... light a f- uh, flare and just light that fucker up yeah they burn him with petrol basically yeah which correct response yeah oh yeah yeah at the moment either of you do that that know that i will do that to you so now the scene is basically set the movie has now basically set up all the premise yeah you have, is it probably about 10 characters? You don't know how many of the shapeshifters there are. You don't know how many of the crew are actually infected. Yep. There's no way of leaving. There's no way of communicating. And everyone is suspicious of everyone. Yeah, pretty much. Out of interest, what would you two have done in this situation? If you were in there what, and you God. were, and you knew you were human, would you do anything different to any of the cast that? I think I would have 
done sort of what the doctor had foisted upon him i would go so you know mccready has his little loner shack separate to the he has his own bedroom in a tower i would just go hang out in my own place and hide or something and just not deal or just shoot myself just just get it done with yeah i think the tricky thing is obviously we figure out the rules of this as it goes on but you like you don't know it's no it's an alien infection functionally yeah but and uh, no uh, one knows what the rules are on it so they are while they're standing around outside they're basically like look any number of us could be the thing yeah i know i'm not but I'm sure that's what the thing would say. Exactly. So that we need to figure it out somehow. At this point, I, I think I would just be like, can't we out, chief? We've also established that the thing has everyone's personalities. Yes. Memories. memories. So we came up with the idea of like, maybe they're going to do like a birthday test or like some sort of like knowledge that they would know, but that's also out of the question. Yeah. So it can perfectly assimilate and basically replicate the person yeah. where it has their thoughts and it can yeah. basically pretend if, to be them very convincing. If you are listening to this, say on the tube, look around you and presume that everyone around you could or could not be a perfect imitation of a human being, but is actually a massive alien and you have no way of knowing who is who. That is the kind of terror you would be in right now. So that one of the doctors, the one who's not locked up, comes up with the idea. And he, and he, unlike the smart doctor, says his idea out loud publicly so the thing hears it. But his plan is check the blood because the thing's blood reacts differently than human blood. Yeah, and they yeah. have blood samples for everyone on the base. So that in theory, what they could do is that they could inject everyone's blood into their own blood bags. And then use that blood to see if it if their blood takes over the other blood, then they're the thing. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, he says this out loud. And so when they go to check the blood, all of the blood has leaked out everywhere. Someone has opened up the blood fridge. Yep. And everyone's blood is on the floor. And the thing that gets creepy here is that the doctor had the idea, but only him and the leader of the base, Gary, had access and keys to the blood bank to yeah. open it up. Yep. So the sus is immediately on Gary. Yeah. And Windows, who is a guy who inexplicably wears sunglasses throughout the entirety of the film, despite it being midnight in the Antarctic. <laughs> I think they call him Windows as a reference to the fact that he's wearing those glasses yeah. all the time. I get that, but it's... Okay, it's fine. also possibly like given that the time period this is set in a lot of these guys look relatively post vietnam so windows could be his war nickname yeah i mean any of them like yeah mccready fully looks like a vietnam helicopter pilot i'm pretty sure he's wearing a u.s yeah, military jacket yeah. the yeah. whole time lieutenant like, mccready on it yeah yeah okay windows has dropped his keys i was wondering if you i think i mentioned it and you guys picked up on it but you don't often pick up on it the first time around because you don't see it. It's just a sound effect. Mm -hmm. But effectively, Gary gives his keys to Windows every now and again to just go do something because he can't be fucked. Yeah. And so we don't actually know who got to the blood because Gary gave Windows the keys. Windows dropped the keys when he saw Bennings being a The Bennings flesh nightmare, TM. Yeah, the Bennings. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it doesn't go that way. No, no, <laughs> it really no, no. doesn't. Um, and I'm very happy it doesn't. So at this point, Windows freaks out and runs over to grab a shotgun. The reason Windows does that is because he realizes, fuck, I dropped the keys. Sus is going to be on him. So, no, Gary doesn't realize this. Hey. Everyone else is suspicious of Gary, Copper, and Clark, the guy who was hanging out with the dogs all the time. Yeah. Windows realizes it's not necessarily those three. 
it's any of them because I yes. am the one who dropped the keys. Yeah. So he immediately goes, fuck, I'm in danger because it could be any of them. And he goes to grab the shotgun. And I don't think that's quite clearly explained, but that's the reason he acts so freaked uh... out. Okay, I didn't quite pick up on that. Yeah, that's yeah. why. He goes, oh, fuck, I can't trust any of them and goes to grab a shotgun and is probably thinking, I'll just murder them all to be safe. It's a solid uh, shout. They then eventually talk him down because he will get shot by one of them because Gary the captain has a gun and is yes. pointing at him when he's trying to load the shotgun. And then basically they have this like standoff and then afterwards they decide, okay, look, Let's just have one leader. It do Gary doesn't want to be the leader anymore because he's old man and he's tired. I think the impression is that Gary was made the leader because he's the oldest and like the most experienced person in the base. Well, he's a but captain, isn't he? Yeah, he's a captain of the research facility. Yes. But he's not a born leader. He's yeah. just the most experienced person there. Yeah. So in a very stressful situation, he's not capable of yeah. leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually I think quite admirably in that yeah. he's saying, listen, I don't have the necessary skill sets to get us through this, so let's elect another leader. And I think it's basically implied that McCready is de facto leader. Yeah, McCready basically like Keith David wants to take the gun, which is essentially signifying who whoever has the gun is the leader, right? Mm. Keith David wants to take the gun, but then Mac is like, well, hang on, let's go for someone with a little more even temper because this guy's been, like, furious the whole time. Yeah. It is Keith David. I think it's his second film, but you will recognize him as... Captain Anderson in Mass Effect. Yeah. But he also does basically every strong, powerful, older black man in every video game voice acting thing. Yeah. He's the president in Rick and Morty. Yeah. I believe he's also in Saints Row. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he's great. Yeah, yes. so this is his second film, but he's still doing the classic, you know, he has really quiet, dramatic speaking, and then suddenly explodes into a loud goes, outburst. Yeah. So after the blood gets destroyed, Fuchs, one of the uh, other guys there who is effectively identified by the guy wearing glasses that isn't old. Mm. And is definitely and not, not Windows. Definitely not, windows. not called Fucks. He's Fuchs. He's Fuchs. He's Fuchs. F-U-C-H. Yes, Fuchs. I don't really know why, but he goes outside to check on something. So the power gets cut. So oh, the power gets cut, it. all the lights go out. Okay. He lights a little like candle, basically, yeah, and sees someone moving about. Yes. And they leave out the back door, but they leave out the back door and leave it open. Yes. So he goes, well, I need to find out who that is because they're suspicious as hell. So he grabs a coat, runs out after them. You don't know who it is. But at this point, he finds on the ground in the snow a tattered, torn-up jacket that has McCready written on it. Dun, dun, dun! Now, I feel at this point we should have a small tangent. It's becoming quite apparent throughout this film at this point that the thing can assimilate people's flesh. Yes. But to do so, it does destroy the clothing that they're wearing whilst it's trying to assimilate them. Yeah. So... The fact that they find this torn up bit of clothing with McCready written on it is meant to imply... McCready got got. McCready got got and is the, uh, the thing. Yeah. You sort of leave him outside and the perspective cuts to McCready, Windows and Knowles. Yeah. And they go out to check on the dock. They have a bit of a chat with him and they open the window to the tool shed. There's a hangman's noose hanging from the rafters, which amazing. 
And the doctor's there eating his beans and he's like, please trust me, I'm good now. I can come back inside. I'd like to be inside. And I'm just like, that is the most sus thing you could have ever done. Yes, the, he's very sus. The director told the actor, can you can you say you're good, but also sound suspicious, but try not to be suspicious? Yeah, sound completely unbelievable. And, and the actor <laughs> went, great. So I just say words and no matter what I say, I sound suspicious. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, great. That's um, <laughs> the easiest job in the world. Yeah. So they basically don't buy it, lock him back up. And on the way on back, on the way back, they, they find over, yeah. the burnt body they identify as fuchs the reason that they identify it as fuchs is because they find his burnt glasses frames mm-hmm. yes windows goes back into the base right and mccready and Knowles see the tower mccready's loner shack and it has a light on and mccready says we need to investigate that because i left it with the lights off yes so Something... someone's gone into his cabin yeah without yeah with, right yeah with, yeah so, so, so that's it's, dodgy it's suspicious so they've sent windows back to let everyone know that fuchs is, fuchs dead. is dead exactly and then Knowles and mccready go up to check out mccready's cabin yeah now at this point you're thinking hmm suspicious well Knowles is gonna get got because you think yeah McCready's you think mccready's turned exactly and yeah. is going to eat him in his cabin and what happens is like 10 minutes later Knowles bursts back in and by shuts himself, the door covered in snow there's a snowstorm hit now it's dark mm-hmm. it's yeah and he pulls out of his jacket the torn up jacket of mccready and he says i found this mccready didn't see me do it he's infected yes he's, and he's the thing it's such a good story because oh. there's so many bluffs double bluffs you don't know which you character no to, believe. to believe yeah you don't know if when you don't know when characters like talking to one like you need to believe me whether that's the two of the the two things like coercing with themselves it's a really it's a really I, I will good be honest premise. though throughout i pretty much felt safe in assuming that mccready was never turned because he's such a main character because he's Kurt Russell. They wouldn't yeah, infect Kurt Russell. You, you can't infect him. This man is, you know, immune. <laughs> so they they discuss on whether or not to let McCready back in. He's like trying to get in through the door. And then he breaks in through the back window yeah. in the storeroom. He eats himself through a window. Basically, as a failsafe to make sure none of them kill him, he's got a flare and his stick of dynamite that he took from his cabin. <laughs> Which he and just is, has. <laughs> it's basically like, if you try anything or you try and burn me to death, we all die because I will blow up this entire building. Exactly. With the dynamite strapped to me. I think it's a pretty good pretty good idea. Yeah, it's a very, very smart play. Norris and one of the others basically try to wrestle him away from this dynamite mm. during which McCready shoves them off and then Norris apparently has a heart attack. It, yeah. He does just fall over. He does yeah. just, he just fall over. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, Norris earlier, has like a quick little earlier grabs he, his like, chest and falls. Yeah, earlier he runs over to a window and looks and goes, sort of goes and I'm like, is this because he's infected or is this just because he's a very peaky looking man? Yeah, he's <laughs> very unhealthy throughout this film. <laughs> Just by acting. Like, he just walks around looking a bit not <laughs> I was great. saying, good acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's convincingly unfit. <laughs> um, anyway, Norris falls down and isn't breathing. So they take him to the sick bay. Yep. They're like, no pulse, need to perform CPR. Copper is, you know, straddling him, doing chest compressions. Gets the defibrillator out. Gets the defibrillator out to restart his heart. And then we get one of the best scenes, I think, in sci-fi horror history. Oh, it got me as well. It's really, really good. Yeah. If you've not seen it, you really should have watched it by now. But I'm going to say it because everyone knows Go go and watch this clip now. Yeah, watch this clip at the very least. The defibrillator scene. Yep. Copper is about to defibrillate Norris's chest. He lifts the paddles up. And as he pushes down to put them on his chest, the chest opens up in a huge moor his arms go straight through into his 
chest teeth and then everywhere. the teeth of his rib cage slam shut and cleave off both of copper's arms at the elbow can i get tell you a secret i filmed a clip of both of you reacting to that <laughs> and i may add it in here for the reaction oh i'd love it <laughs> he then is like bleeding from the stumps and collapses back screaming and the entire body of norris starts to transform into a horrific flesh nightmare. Fortunately, McCready is standing at the door with a flamethrower because he doesn't trust anyone and he's got the dynamite. Therefore, he gets the flamethrower and he's sort of still the one kind of in charge, even though he's a bit sus at this point. But he's basically said, look, you're going to have me in charge or I'm going to blow this whole place up. And he torches Norris's body. <laughs> yes. And does he get the dock as well? I don't think he gets the dock, but the dock dies just from blood loss. Oh, like okay, he bleeds out in that room. Fair enough. But he starts torching the whole body of Norris, burning it down. But he doesn't quite get all of it. Because what we oh, see is trying horrible. to flee away from the flames, the head of Norris stretches off at the neck yep. peels detaches, off the most shreds. sickening noises yeah it like you see like sinew and like veins but it's all and green arteries. and weird yeah, green looking, yeah. fleshy mm. popping off there's goo everywhere imagine as many wet noises as you can yeah. as this yeah. thing just yeah. sort of slips off i don't i don't know if you guys get the thing where you really find it gross to hear someone else like eating food that like lip smacking like, wet mean, noise yeah. yeah imagine that like cranked up to 11 of yeah. just all the noises you're hearing here yeah the head kind of crawls its way the head detaches yeah. rolls down onto the floor and then upside down crab legs burst out of the side of it two almost stalk eyes come out it of returns, the next stump it returns it, to crab and it returns to crab uh, and uh, <laughs> nature crab, is healing crab walks away do we want to explain the return to crab thing there's a phenomenon in nature where crabs have evolved in separate places and separate times multiple times and it just seems to always happen yeah basically there are like about eight different genuses or families of crab that are completely unrelated and have all independently evolved back into a crab it's called carcinization it's a thing yeah it's it's return to crab and like return to monkey will humans eventually evolve into crabs so there's a specific one for crab but i think the generic term for it is called convergent evolution because it's also the same reason that octopus eyes and human eyes are quite similar in design and function despite the fact that they've evolved entirely independently oh, that's sorry that's my biology nerd from my degrees coming out anyway back to the horror now we have copper dead norris torched crab head scuttles, scuttles away, away and you and think it's gonna get away and no one's seen it and then windows and childs uh, and palmer, palmer. You, you get you get like basically three of them just do the long take of are you fucking kidding me <laughs> watching this crab <laughs> it's fucking fly, horrible like cr scuttle away their eyes do so much work to just and show the they look horrified and perplexed what's really impressive about this is there are no or at least for this bit anyway there aren't any shots of them and the creature in the same shot so it's obviously been recorded later and they're reacting to being told to react to a mm. crab thingy walking away and they do a great job of acting yeah. to that i say all of this is disgusting body horror and is all incredible and knowing that it's all done practically mm, it's, it's, yeah. it's really fantastic really for the bit where copper's arms get ripped off they actually use a guy who is a double amputee and prosthetic arms oh, really? that they no way. On, so that when the belly opens up and tears his arms off they're tearing the arms off of an actual 
amputee and having the fake arms ripped off. I hope it wasn't too traumatic for the guy. So so this moment confirms that to kill the thing, you need to kill every little bit of it to the last cell. Yes. If if a pinky finger, if a single hair escapes, it will crawl away, acquire more mass and be back. Basically, yes. So uh, McCready at this point has a flamethrower and a bundle of dynamite <laughs> and what, five people in a room? Yes. <laughs> and he knows to trust none of them. And unfortunately, they can't trust either doctor because one doctor has died from massive blood loss and the other one is suspicious as fuck and locked in the cabin. The most suspicious man of all time. So basically, the two people who I would argue are even slightly qualified to deal with understanding this thing yeah, are yeah. not there. It raises the stakes just a little bit incrementally throughout the film and this is another one where it just... just pushes it up a little bit more it's yeah. great at this it's like really ratcheting good. tension like oh who do you trust yeah. so it's at this point that mccready has everyone who is still alive and human uh, looking and human looking <laughs> which at the moment is clark gary Knowles, palmer childs and windows are all in one room together he ties them to a bench yeah they all tie he has them all get tied up because he's pointing a flamethrower at them and he's like, I'll blow us all up unless you tie yourselves down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He then comes up with a theory of how he's going to test it based on what you've already said, Kelly, of you need every single piece of it will try and defend itself yes. and escape. Uh, listener, if you uh, if you got to this point and you, you're aware of all the facts, how, how would you solve this situation? Because uh. I guarantee you, I don't think you'd come up with this solution. You say that. I knew about this thing from pop culture oh, before did you? I saw this film. Oh. So I think a lot of them may actually really realize what it is okay i didn't know I, about this i bit. think it's been done in a few other things as like aping on it it could be simpsons could be a bunch of other stuff sure but well, basically a, yeah what how... they what they do is mccready has each of them cut themselves and put a little bit of blood in a petri dish mm-hmm. yep and the idea is that because this organism is always trying to escape danger from heat. Heat seems to be its weakness. They try shooting it earlier. It doesn't really do anything. Yeah, the flamethrower is the only thing that actually kills it. And it makes cause sense because the Norwegians have bunches of kerosene as well. Yeah, so like, destroy, actually, I guess... that might be why it doesn't die when they're shooting it from the helicopter. Bullets don't really work on it. Yeah. Sorry, Norwegians. You need to destroy it on a cellular level. So yeah. you need to cook it. Yeah. The idea is that if they take a blood sample from each of them, they put it in a Petri dish and they put a hot wire which they heat up on the end of the flamethrower into the blood. If you put it into normal blood, it's just fizzle. It's yeah, inert. exactly. But when you do it into the blood sample from the thing, it's going to react. It's, it's, it's try a sentient and... organism. It yeah. will somehow react. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so bit by bit, they start to effectively identify who is who. Yes. And they know that Knowles is safe. They know that Windows. then Windows is safe, so both of them get let free. Get flamethrower privileges, because yeah. there are two flamethrowers. Oh shit, we completely forgot to mention at this point, during the surgery scene, Clark smuggled a scalpel, oh, goes right, yes. to stab McCready at the start of this, and then gets shot through the head. Yes. They test his blood too. Turns out he was human. He was just yeah. suspicious of McCready mm. and unfortunately got killed which... in the suspicion. Which I think adds to it mm. in the... It could so... still be McCready. Well, it adds to the superstition between all of them. Oh, Because yeah. at this point, it's only been the thing killing everyone. But it's now their own paranoia is actually having them turn on each other. If because you... someone ended up dead just by suspicion. If you've ever played Among Us, <laughs> like this or is mafia, this. Yeah. Werewolves. And or werewolves. Any sort of social deduction lying game. Or you've, secret Hitler. You've killed an innocent person in, in one of these guessing games. So, yeah, this happens. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is where everyone gets to test their theories about who they think is the thing. So yeah. ev everyone's questioning McCready. Doesn't he test his own blood first? Mm. So he tests his own blood and he's safe. Get As, that out of yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah. Adding to the suspicion is that everyone's been stink-eyeing Clark this whole time as, no, he's definitely the thing. Because he's and been you, hanging around with the dogs. Yeah. And then you find out this entire time, no, he's actually been completely normal and he in fact gets killed by other people <laughs> he does try to kill mccready yeah but that's because mccready has been very suspicious McCready up fucking, until this point with the jacket like okay clark has this scalpel like pocketed and then it's dead silent people are busy doing everything else mccready has his back to him he basically takes one step forward raises his arm <laughs> mccready spins 180 instantly fucking headshots this guy like oh my god he does get him quite accurately in the head this guy shoots it is anything that moves it's aim it's aimbot levels of accuracy. It really like is, it's, yeah. it's like... anti-stormtrooper <laughs> this guy's got cheat codes so clark bites the bullet Knowles is found to be healthy and human yeah so he's up there same with windows windows is the first one he clears of suspicion so windows gets the second flamethrower yes then it's Knowles. then childs gets tested yeah and he's... childs being a bit of a like sassy man is yeah. like i told you and it looks like you just fucking killed Clark, even though he was innocent, you dick. Throughout the film, we've sort of haven't really mentioned it, but he's been pretty like aggressive or, or sort of like angry, but justifiably so. Yeah, he's he's very antagonistic towards McCready. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not tying myself down. You'll have to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And McCready's like, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> and then he goes, all right, fine. But I think it's the idea of like McCready is kind of tough guy in charge and Childs is probably the second most sense of authority not by rank or anything but just by character yeah and so the fact that he's having to bend to someone else's will yeah when he wants to be the assertive one and making decisions for his own safety is yeah. why he's so antagonistic and that's why he was trying to take the gun first to yes, be the one exactly. in charge but yeah. that also adds to the suspicion exactly of yeah. to control it so like it's really great that all of the different characters all have their own motivations for why they would want to if they were the thing get you or if they weren't hide like it's it's really it's really interesting so oh. childs gets cleared and then it comes to the Our last good... two people are gary and palmer Our who are tied friend. next to each other yes they take <laughs> gary's blood because he's been the most suspicious up until this point because he had the keys yeah so he could have been the one that destroyed the blood also to add to the suspicion gary this whole time is being this is a farce this yeah is he's ridiculous. like this is pointless this is pointless and it's like well that's pretty sad the wire drops into his blood and it's fine <laughs> Just a quick sizzle, nothing normal. And so they go, okay, well, now we just need Palmer, to check out Palmer. The stoner guy. The moment that the wire touches the blood, the blood jumps up with such a jump scare that you actually yeah. jumped in the chair. Yeah, this gave me a jump scare. It got me. I, I got got. It's a credit to this film. It uses its jump scares quite well in that- There aren't many of them. There aren't many of them. And when it does it, it's earned. Yeah. Like you don't see it coming. I know we've talked about this scene for a long time, but it is quite a long drawn out scene. And it's tense the entire yeah. time because you're waiting. And, and you know one of them is it, yeah. right? And it, and it just goes like- Ugh. Yeah. So- Palmer's blood jumps out and then suddenly Palmer starts vibrating and melting and turning into a flesh thing again. Hooray. Yep. He and... is every single person I've ever sat next to on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> like, like just sitting next to you just, just starts a... vibrating just... and spewing God knows what liquids out of the body. Just a like... disgusting collection of wet flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Gary's mad and saying, get me out, get me out. Oh God, get me out. McCready tries to fire up his flamethrower but has technical difficulties. Uh... This never happens, I promise. <laughs> 
One in four meant no. Um, <laughs> so win- Windows with the reverse with the reserve flamethrower, he steps in to take charge of the situation and torch Palmer thing. Palmer's head splits open into jaws and leans over and bites Windows' head. Windows is then presumably killed and drops the flamethrower because at this point Palmer's broken out of his bindings and jumped onto the ceiling. The jaws wrap around Windows' head and then start flailing him like a rag doll from the face. Yeah, this man is extremely dead extremely yes. dead he's gone McCready gets his flamethrower up and running and torches both of them well he torches Palmer first Palmer thing yeah. Windows gets chucked into the corner yes it's quite clear that both of his arms are broken his legs are like crooked his yeah. head is just covered in blood but he starts like Oh, crunching like gonna, and like he's going uh, to yeah. try and stand up but none of his limbs are yeah. functioning yet but it's clear he's making these gross noises like he he can't be alive and human at this no, point no, no, so no. they torch him as well they torch him as well they leave childs on guard duty with the dead bodies while jerry and Knowles and mccready go to check up on blair the doctor in the tool shed yes correct mm-hmm. yeah so for context we are down to the final five mm-hmm. of the original cast Yep. So There's five people got, left. You've still got Blair, the Doctor, locked in the cabin. Yep. You have Gary. You have Childs. Yep. You have Niles. And that's and it. McCready. Yeah. Yeah. Final five. So it's getting it's getting oh. tense. Okay. So we go to check up on the totally innocent, very innocent man who's definitely good and not <laughs> at all suspicious. He's very innocent. Please trust him. And he's not there. He's not in the tool shed. And it's almost like leaving someone in a tool shed with all the tools might not be the best way of locking them up. Mm. So they look around for a while and can't figure out where the hell this guy's gone. They find some like loose floorboards. Check underneath these floorboards and there is a whole ass excavated tunnel down there. It, this is the most Scooby-Doo moment. It in is the quite <laughs> Scooby-Doo. You're like, this would have taken a ages to dig. A trapdoor? <laughs> no. <laughs> so basically the thing under the guise of Blair has burrowed a hole through the floor, created a little setup. Yeah, has, there's a full-on workshop down there. Yeah, has been using the tools and also dismantling parts from the broken helicopter to make a spaceship. Yeah, there's a little flying saucer that's like 80% built down there and you're like, okay, yeah. I wasn't that sus of Blair, but... <laughs> well, now, just now that you said that, I'm now thinking of like... When did he whole... get infected? But the thing was, it's like, well, the whole thing with Blair was he broke the helicopter and he broke all the radio equipment so they couldn't yeah. get out or leave. But was so, this again... But then when he was infected, now he wants to get like, out because he's... Yeah, yes. right? yeah, so the whole point is that he realised what was going to happen so he breaks all the stuff. Uh, and then yep. at some point later... Whoever was the thing has gone out and infected him yeah. to build the escape thing because it's outside of everyone else's viewing. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's like a brilliant thing of, well, we think he's fine because he's just gone and done the thing to stop <laughs> yeah. him from escaping. So yeah. we think he's sane and ever mm-hmm. and the thing is somewhere else. And then at some point he's got turned. I yeah. think it's interesting as well, because even when you do clear people, you only clear them for like two minutes yeah you it's only like, play them until the next scene where yeah exactly if they cut away from camera you don't know and none of this is convoluted when you're watching it none of it is you never feel like oh they just they've fixed this thing and this other problem has arose because yeah it's, reasons it's like it's all suspicious it ties in there's a lot of things yeah, going on at one. And you forget yeah. about stuff and then it's brought back and you're yeah like, oh my God. yeah so it's so astutely mccready decides to blow this spaceship up with his dynamite which is a good idea it is so no one challenges him i will say in this moment, there are three characters, all of which have no like conversation about the fact that this is this the right thing to do. Well, they I just feel, I feel like they've pretty much established. Look, if this thing gets out of here, humanity's doomed. I right? know, but like surely one of them would have been like, 
is this is this like the ultimate is this the actually the thing we have to do i suppose mccready does say like none of us should get out of this alive Let, let's face it we're not getting out of okay this alive. <laughs> yeah everyone's like sure thing chief yeah, yeah. McCready, I'm, I'm with you mccready basically takes the initiative to say we cannot leave this thing i think they also make we can't let of... it freeze in the snow because then it will just be dug up in another hundred thousand years or yeah whatever. it's basically yeah a little bit of that and i think it's more the idea of it's now going to try and freeze us all out because it can survive in the frozen temperatures and, just and be revived just freeze yeah. and then come back to life when someone comes looking for us yeah yeah so yeah. we need to kill it now yeah and the only way that we can kill it now is by burning everything smoke it down. out yeah. yeah it's at this point childs runs off yep so Knowles sees the outline of a person which but he we know it well he presumes it's Charles because he's the only other person alive yes but we don't we don't know that we, you just see a person yeah. in the dark in the storm just running out of the main base and it's like okay that's pretty sus yep. yeah into a blizzard mm-hmm. mm. what we assume is Charles yeah yeah so as we go into the finale we've got the three main characters trying to blow up the facility so we've got gary Knowles, and mccready left yeah yep. we know blair is likely well is infected we know Blair's, but we don't yeah. know where blair is yes and we've just seen someone who we presume to be childs running out into the snow and yes. that those are the those are all we know yeah going into the finale oh, it's horrible yeah they basically need to burn everything down including like every like the norwegians option. did yeah so they go down to their generator where all their fuel is and everything as yeah. well. And they're going to burn, like properly burn the fuel, blow everything up. It's all gone. They've yeah. already torched with various Molotov cocktails all of the facility above ground. That In fact, they have, they've emptied out all of their whiskey bottles and vodka and they filled them up with kerosene. And they're lighting them and they're burning everything, right? Yep. And they keep going along. They then go down into the basement to light the fuel burn the generator they comment that the generator's gone presumably it's in the spaceship yeah that they've already blown up but as they're getting all of the dynamite set up to blow everything to kingdom come they kind of separate nails and mccready stay together but gary walks off to his own little corner at which point blair turns up and fingers his face it's like his hand melts into his face yeah he basically it's like his fingers slip through his flesh Mm. and then just start assimilating him and he like tries to scream but can't because his mouth is covered yeah it's it's real gross and like what's kind of horrible is that this alien thing is all happening at the hand and then you see blair back at blair's head yeah as the thing just looking around checking sure no one's seeing him do this it's real sinister it's fantastic it's gross body horror in a way that makes me ill but i kind of love and then possibly in the worst move in all of humankind, Knowles decides to walk away from MacReady as well. He he doesn't even like shout, make any noise. He just walks off in a direction. It is by the cardinal himself. sin of and all Halloween like films. Silently going to yeah. check on someone. Yeah, brilliant. So he dies. Pr- well, you don't even see it. It's just he he's gone. Yeah. and it's yeah. like yeah. I mean, it's so predictable. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. he played a stupid game. He won a stupid prize of dying off screen. Yeah, he fucked around and he found out. MacReady's like, oh, Knowles, how's it going? Looks over to where Knowles was, and he is no longer there. And he's like, shit, lights a stick of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. correct move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, even though we've had the most illogical thing that a person can do, at least the main character has gone. Rational decision. Rational decision. Shit's going to go down. I'm going to at least defend myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't see my friend. <laughs> like, he likes the dynamite like, I'll figure it a way out or I won't. But either way, things are definitely going to blow up yeah. even if I get taken out. It's mm-hmm. quite pragmatic. Yeah. So it's at this point that the thing that has assimilated the flesh of Blair, Gary, and presumably Knowles 
charges at McCready yes. as a giant, horrible flesh hulk with multiple heads and like a chest head that comes out that's dog-like and there's a jaw in the side of another head. It's horrifying and kind of in this horrific majesty. Like it's kind of veering up and like the camera's quite low, like it's lording over McCready. And then you get McCready say, Oh, it's such a good line. The monster makes an summation of noises towards McCready. McCready looks at him, does a barrel roll and says, fuck you too. And lobs his dynamite. Lobs his dynamite and then gets yeets the himself. fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an 80s moment. It but, really is. But I would do the same. It's incredible. Like, it's oh. Fantastic. There's a massive fireball. The entire base goes, goes up. Bang. Yeah. And Before Oppenheimer, there was this. Yes. <laughs> and we cut to McCready, who is somehow alive. He might be the thing. You still Ooh. don't know. Yeah. He's yeah. got a bottle of whiskey, and that's it. And he's walking around outside, trudging through the snow. He collapses into like yes. the bur- like yeah. the burnt out remnants of the base, just to sort of sit down. He hasn't slept in three days. Yeah. He's very like, tired and yeah. exhausted, and clearly, you know, just got out of the way of a bomb. Yes. At which point. Childs turns up. He just sort of walks along with a flamethrower, looking not at all particularly tired, and says, I got lost in the snowstorm. Mm. And well, you're like... <laughs> Childs claims that he saw Blair leaving, mm. and so he went to go chase him, and then lost him in the storm. I think that actually happened. I don't know, I didn't Because see we that. know that Blair isn't where they were meant to find him, so yeah, he had to true. have escaped at some point. So I think he genuinely saw him. Maybe, or maybe he's just the thing. So we're at the end of the film. Charles sits down on the other side to McCready, and they basically just say, "Why don't we just wait a little while and freeze to and death?" And freeze to <laughs> like, death. Basically, yeah. neither of them trust each other. Neither of them trust each other because there's figure... no way in hell McCready survived that explosion. But there's no way in hell Childs isn't the thing as well because exactly. he ran off by himself. So, so it's like they <gasps> just have a commiseration drink. McCready hands Childs the bottle. Charles takes a swig. And we pan out, and it's they either both freeze to death or whatever happens. That's we it. don't know. Now, that's the film. But the one thing I want to ask you now is out of McCready and Childs, do you think either of them were the thing? Or do you think they're both just the guys who are left and they just die? Oh, I don't know. I think one of them's. The yeah, thing. I think one of them is. Which one of them is, though? You would presume Childs. I'm going to go Childs. I, I would also think Childs because earlier you have McCready trying to get out of the snowstorm and he's like shivering and almost dying by the time he gets back into the base by breaking through that window. And Childs also got lost in the snowstorm and is fine. So I'm now going to do a little bit of a spoiler reveal. Oh. Is there an actual answer? There's a fan theory answer. Mm, okay. And we love those kind of fans. But, like, it's... I think it's pretty robust, actually. Okay. So, Kelly, you're pretty close on the money here. So, there is a few things that kind of give it away. Firstly, as you pointed out, McCready looks to be quite shivery when he was left out in the storm. Yeah. And Childs is seemingly not as affected. He's just strolling around. Yeah, here's another interesting thing. During that scene, it could potentially be the lighting, but even Keith David himself has pointed this out, that he's suspicious of it after the fact. If you see them talking, whenever McCready is talking at the end, because it's really fucking cold, he has fog on his breath. His breath fogs up whenever he's talking. Yeah. Whenever you see Childs talking, his breath isn't fogging up. Oh. Now, there are two potential things here. One, he's closer to the fire source. Two, he's in a more unlit part of the shop. 
So it could just be it's not showing up on camera. But the other thing is that potentially he doesn't need to be body temperature so that he would not be caught. He wouldn't be breathing in that humid air. So he wouldn't be causing fog when he breathes. So here's, for me, the dead giveaway. Mm -hmm. I, I hinted, I dropped this hint to you earlier and you haven't picked up on it. They emptied out all the booze bottles to make Molotov cocktails, which is a petrol bomb, right? Mm, yeah. McCready wouldn't have whiskey on him. He'd have a petrol bomb. He's holding it in case he needs to burn something to death. Oh. You never see him drink from it in that shot. He offers it to Child, and Child's Just thinking it's alcohol human whiskey swigs a drink Shit. and you then see mccready just crack a little smile to himself he does and it's because he's figured out that charles is the thing because the thing doesn't know what alcohol tastes I like i just got goosebumps it just knows oh that he's meant God. to drink from the bottle and he's just said you've just drank straight kerosene and not reacted that literally gave me goosebumps just then right oh fucking that's really if that's really good oh yeah i don't know i don't have words to react to that that's so, so cool what i think happened is childs genuinely did see blair but runs got, got. off and blair got him yeah i can believe that so there's another kind of key thing that the directors gave away a little bit of how you can figure out that they're the thing throughout the film mm. and i was aware of it and i was looking out for it because it's the first time i've watched the film with this knowledge mm. so this may spoil viewing later on when you're trying to figure out who it is oh. but deliberately as a camera trick they leave a light on behind the camera when they're facing someone human and the idea is that it's meant to mimic the light in human eyes so if oh, you I've actually, heard of this, actually if you yeah. look in the eyes of every character when they have a close-up shot if you can see the little white dots yeah. that's like a bright light yeah, reflecting light, in them yeah. they are alive and human oh no and what i noticed i only clocked it in the scene where they're doing all the blood tests that when you get to palmer who we know yeah. is the thing that entire time that they're doing that scene he doesn't have the fill light in his eyes oh. i couldn't remember who was the thing and then i saw that he didn't have the light in his eyes and i went oh it is palmer that's it. Oh, and that's then as so the cool. scene continued to play out i go oh it is, it is palmer, palmer. <laughs> as they do more and more close-ups and you yeah. see it going oh what a film. What a film. Right? I'm so glad we got to watch a good film for this podcast. I cannot wait to rewatch this film and notice all the little things. It's there's genu- so many little things. Ge- it, there's so many little I things. I love little things in The films. key drop thing you picked up on, but very few people pick up on that the first time round. No one picks up on the petrol thing and the drinking of the whiskey at the end. I've just rewatched that scene. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, it is the last thing that he does. He gives him the bowl. He does a little smirk. He twigs it, and then he goes, there's a little smirk, and then it literally pans to the wide shot and then goes black. That's the last thing that happens. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I love this film because it's it's somewhat a murder mystery. It's sci-fi. It's eldritch horror. It's ticking off so many boxes for me as a film, and it's aged perfectly. It's almost, aged really well. With the exception yes. of the computer program. The biggest thing for me is that, obviously, these days, CGI's are just a part of what we consume as media. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to go from that to this, it's so refreshing. It's really nice. Yeah. It's it's to the point where you're like, I, I'm sad that we lost this. Mm. Yeah, we get to explore like idea. bigger and better worlds because of CGI, and there's stuff you obviously can't do with, with practical, but watching this... So, interesting fact I actually have for you guys. There is a 2011 version of The Thing, mm. which is the prequel to this in the... Oh, Norwegian is it the Norwegian? Oh, I want to watch that then. 
Okay. Is it any good? That's a good question. It did not get great reviews, but I think one of the things that detract from it is it uses CGI. What was upsetting, though, I found this out, is that they did all of the effects for all of the shots that feature the thing practically. And then they posted over it. And then they posted over it with CGI. That's like an executive has made that decision. Did George George Lucas work on this film? Yeah. So I mean, may- maybe I don't know if we do it for the podcast because I-, I reviewing. I don't want to go back to reviewing bad films on this. I'd like to be some sort of balance. Well, so that was the thing, 1982. Harrison, what a wonderful, oh, thank what a you, breath of fresh air to review something that was actually Honestly, pretty good. Lovely. You're welcome. Thank you. So with that, this will never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> never can happen again. But let's put this into the record books with our famous scoring system. Patented jizz score. Okay, so to remind you all, uh, the jizz score is broken down into four parts. We can adapt this for this film. It'll be absolutely fine. J is for a Jedi bullshit. I think we can just call that general movie bullshit, we've which done, actually in horror films, within, in horror films is usually quite... Uh, that is true. So, so are we going with like general horror tropes? Yeah. So, so Noel's walking away without saying a word into a dark corridor. Something like that. I is uh is usually intergalactic politics. I guess we'll go for intercontinental because yeah, Antarctic's a continent. Antarctica is supposed yep. to be a neutral zone. We'll go for that. Yeah, the there's first... some tension between the the Swedes and or Norwegians <laughs> and or Americans who don't know what nationality they are. The first Z is the snore factor, so how boring we found the film, and the second Z is the zoom, which I'm gonna suggest we rename for this one the. <laughs> Yeah, okay. How, how many times can you say that the same? <laughs> okay, great. Right, let's get started. So Harrison, your horror trope bullshittery score. Highest being worse, lower being better. Yeah. For me, there are a fair few tropes, but I think they're doing it well. Mm-hmm. And half of the tropes, it kind of wrote. This is a very iconic film that often gets taken from for other things. Mm-hmm. This is the thing, like, when you talk about tropes and stereotypes in films, when you go to older films, they're the reason why we have those tropes and stereotypes. Yeah, like, it's it's the genesis of the trope. Yeah. I will say, there were two characters in this that were black men, and neither of them died first. I was so quite on impressed horror by trope, that. that's yeah. quite no. good that it didn't fall into that trap. Both in the final three, actually. Yeah, they From made the it, of it Yeah, they quickly step- sidestepped that. There's actually, I saw a great interview with Keith David from like now yeah. talking about the thing still like many years oh, later nice. and he said that he was quite wary when he got off the thing because he knew the trope of the black guy dies first and they actually told him no 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 you make it to the end and that's the reason he took the role give yes. us a number so uh okay fine fuck it uh two Ooh, two okay. i think the only tropes it really falls for are some people do some dumb stuff but horror films no one's thinking yeah. entirely tactically all I the time. And a lot of people are quite smart in this film. Yeah. True. I uh, would go similarly two or three because, yeah, you have Knowles walking down a dark corridor by himself at the end for basically no reason, which... Mm. But the rest of people tend to act fairly rationally. I don't think there's a ton of bullshit. Although that said, the obviously going to die guy dies, <laughs> predictably. Unfortunately so. I'll, I'll, I'll go two as well. Mm. That's two. fine. Yeah. Um, I'll, go, I'll go three. I, don't, I think our listeners know that this is a good horror film. This is not the cheese that you're used to in like modern day films. Like it is good. It's yeah, good. and it's not. And there's not too much of the like stupid horror stuff. In there's it. there's there's not really too many moments where you're like, for love of God, don't do that. <laughs> I, there's a couple. There's a couple. But... I put this up there in terms of like iconic sci-fi horror films with like Alien. Yeah, I I would agree. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go two and a half? Screw it. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> intercontinental politics. Well, I would say the relationship between whatever planet sent the thing here and <laughs> uh, is humans true. is not a very nice relationship. No. Um, <laughs> Do you think there was a trade dispute? Possibly. Also, you know, not the most social politics between the, the Norwegians slash assumed <laughs> Swedes and the Americans. So I think we can give it a, a, a four. A four. Wow, that's I'm pulling the number high. out of my ass a little bit, but I'm going for a one. There's a no, one. there's no politics in this film. The Norwegian guy shoots an American, and the Americans just don't react, which is kind of strange. But fine, they just stand there like, oh, that guy got shot. Hmm, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go for half. <laughs> you say a that one of them shot a Swede through the face. Sorry, yeah, Norwegian. That... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've done it again. <laughs> 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 You're as bad as the Americans. I'm so sorry, Norway. <laughs> I'll give I'll give a half for uh, for Sweden and Norway being mixed up. Fantastic. Uh, just wait till the Danes hear about yeah. this. <laughs> um, Snore factor, Harrison. I presume this is going to be quite low considering this is a zero. I fucking love this film. I would go zero as well. I was very interested the whole time. The tension ratchets up and up and up. I had I didn't have a single moment of boredom. It was great. Fair. I'll go. I'll go a two. I think the the start the start is a little dated but i think that's because it was made in the 80s i think with modern filmmaking techniques that could be made a lot better we'll oh you mean the new this, one you see. mean the spaceship crashing down and then no. the thing that, appearing on screen that, that wasn't great that wasn't great also the fact that it's called the thing does not help that title it's not a very threatening the title, fact that it like it? slowly shows you the the it word like, it like, thing it like burns onto the screen as if through parchment i might go a one just for that okay yeah. But um yeah, once the once the intro and like the setup has been made, yeah, it's a great film. And finally the uh Sorry. Uh I think you mean the yeah! Thank you. Apologies to my neighbors if you heard that. Uh Harrison for horror. <sighs> that really hurt. <laughs> uh 10 being better, 0 being worse for this one. I think for me it's got to be a 9. I think there's probably something out there better, but for like for someone who really loves anything that's really tapping into that like alien body horror mm. eldritch beyond the stars yeah. grossness it's a pretty high watermark like you know we've got eyes where eyes shouldn't be mouths where mouths shouldn't be tentacles so all out the wazoo there's so much goo but also the, the tentacles aren't like octopus tentacles they're like plant tentacles yeah they're like spin around thin, perfectly smooth ribbons that are like whipping around it's trying more to grab something of that. yeah, yeah they're, they're just whipping around trying to find anything to grab yeah it's scarier and you know, if one of those touches you you're done like, yeah like it's gonna coil around it. you and then drag you in uh kelly i think it's difficult because in terms of horror i i think well that's all the body horror stuff leans towards that right i'm not as big of a fan of that sort of stuff sure. i more prefer the deduction and then there was none type aspect of it being like you don't know who you can trust and people are dying and you need to figure out who this is mm -hmm. yeah i think probably seven seven yeah i think given the variety of the body horror as well that's another thing it's that's not true. just the same yeah, thing over change. and over again which is maybe something you see in other films but yeah the variety was 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 fantastic yeah that's a good point each each gory death is a very different, different gory death yeah i agree with you i feel like there's not a lot of the social deduction stuff which might have been a nice addition but there's, then again there's it's enough like of it. there's enough of it but like how does it all fit together yeah. but anyway i'm gonna go i'll i'll split the difference i'll go for an eight nice because it is very good it is so the scores are in what does scarif resort radio think of the thing from 1982 you'll be pleased to hear 
we've all, if you add up everyone's individual scores, we've all scored it the same. Really? Ooh. Yes, we've all scored it minus three. Maybe there's a hive. Wow, mind we've reached so, a minus score. So this, the thing, 1982 scores minus nine on the jizz scale. Wow. Which, for those viewers who don't know, the lowest score is technically minus 30 and the highest score is 90. So <laughs> this is, this is good. It's in the top quarter of possibility. Could I you... think that matches though, because it is a very highly regarded film. Yes. Like just our opinions aside. It's an excellent it is, film. It is a good film. If you're if you're thinking, oh, I wish I had a horror film to watch, watch this one. Maybe you could say it's Sub Zero. <laughs> I want you to know that that long silence wasn't added in. That was our genuine reaction to that. I mean, to be honest, it's about the same caliber as your jokes, Harrison. So I don't know if you can judge it too harshly. You've made about four The Thing jokes in this recording, and that was more inventive than any of those. Uh... And if that wasn't a place to end it, I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Come back um, next time. Thank you for listening to this spooky Halloween episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. You can also follow us on the platform formerly known as Twitter, at Scarif Resort. Go Bully Harrison there. He's very active, so mm-hmm. he'll enjoy that. And who knows? Maybe we'll go back to Star Wars for the next episode. I think next time. Will we you have do... watched Ahsoka by then? That is the question. No. Oh. <laughs> we'll get there, viewers. We'll get there. We've got to do Attack of the Clones. I'm tearing out my eyes. <laughs> Are you a thing? Bye. On the on the count of Mario, da, 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 da. that's the best one of those I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you.